Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined this week by David Pushusha, who is head of our private debt and real assets group. Uh, and I'm sure it's always a good time to speak with David about private debt and real assets, but perhaps even more appropriate now when we think about the macroeconomic landscape, the monetary policy outlook, and the status of public markets. So what do I mean by that? If we think about the central banks, uh, more and more are turning their attention to tapering, how to slow down, eventually stop the ex extra extraordinary policies that they put in place with the arrival of the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdowns. Of course, the Fed is thinking of tapering eventually wants to move towards an increase in policy rates. Will the Delta variant or the next variant actually allow them to do so? And when? At the same time, of course, uh, not only the central banks, but investors are having to deal with even higher than expected inflation and asking questions about how long that's going to last. And then on the public market side, as has been the theme for quite a while would seem to be quite high valuations and questions about what the future total returns are likely to look like. Well, then that brings us to uh, private debt and real assets, which may offer an alternative uh, to some of the dilemmas investors face when thinking about equities and fixed income. And so, David, first question for you, how do you expect private debt to perform uh, in what is an even more uncertain rates and inflation environment? Yes. Good morning, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be uh, to be here with you uh, today. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, uncertain times, and actually, when times are uncertain, it's always very good uh, to uh, stick to what is for sure. And what is for sure currently is that the search for yields for investors is still very much on uh, for investors. And so, in this environment of very low rates. Private debt offers a healthy uh, liquidity premium over uh, public markets, which is really something very interesting for investors. The other good thing about private market in this environment is that most of our instruments, at least in the strategies that we manage at BNP Paribas Asset Management, are in floating rates which means that you are really uh, taking an exposure to credit without taking much duration risk. And so there is protection against rising, uh, rising rates. Of course, I'm not here to say there is no risk. And when it comes to inflation or potential reflation uh, environment, this encourages us in our day-to-day -day management to be very careful on the selection of the borrowers. To take an example, you have uh, today in the corporate sector something that we are looking extremely carefully at, which is what is the exposure to rise in commodity prices. And we don't like companies which are very much exposed to this because, of course, this reflationary environment, if it materializes, which causes some risks to the real economy and so to our borrowers. But that's something that we are able to navigate with a very careful selection of borrowers and with a focus on the segments which are most resilient to such an environment. So you've talked about how you need to be thinking about the impact of reflation on, on the companies that you're investing in. 
I imagine as well that with all the changes we've been through over the last two years, you've had to think differently uh, about the market and, and how you invest. So in which strategies that you manage do you see potential innovation? Yes, innovation um, can be at, uh, at, at different levels. Uh, when it comes to uh, investment processes, I, I would say uh, there is not much innovation because uh, in a way, credit is credit. And so even through all the changes we've been through, uh, we've always been uh, before and after COVID very careful on uh, segments, on sector selection, sector analysis, and the selection of borrowers. But innovation can come into, uh, into play for uh, other factors. Uh, to give you an example, when we invest uh, in loans, uh, we can uh, invest in various parts of the capital structure. And so uh, for, for a while, we've been focusing essentially on senior debt financing. And today we are much more in our uh, strategies, uh, contemplating investment in the more junior uh, parts of the capital structure when we finance a corporate or when we finance uh, an infrastructure project. Why is that? This is because when you look at the market, you have more and more transactions where the sponsors of the transactions are looking at uh, a part of the financing that would be not equity, not senior debt, but junior debt. And here you can find very good yields for a level of risk, which is still very good. And this is a very good relative value uh, for our investors. And that's something that we really care a lot about when we look at our investments in, in PDRA, which is the relative value. Given a specific project or a specific corporate, what is the best way to lend money? Is it being in senior financing? Is it in the junior financing. And that's why in our product range, for instance, when we look at the various strategies we manage, we are currently much more developing uh, the, the investment into uh, junior uh, financing because the market is developing fast here. And we see uh, a lot, a lot of relative value for investors in, in these kind of products. Now, the other big thing that we've had over the last couple of years, and of course, a continuation of a previously existing theme, but accelerated as, as so many things to have been by the pandemic, and that is everything around ESG integration, uh, the increased interest not only on the parts of governments in the environment and, and social aspects and governance, uh, but even more so on the part of investors, as we've all become very aware of our environment. Uh, so how do you see ESG integration in the strategies that you manage uh, and also SFDR implementation? Yes, it's not something new for us because from from the start of the PDRA group in, in 2017, we had decided to embed ESG criteria into our uh, into our processes. But I would say that SFDR, the European regulation, is a kind of game changer for the whole industry because it forces all players, all all managers, to structure their approach to make sure it complies with European regulation. And those criteria now become really part of what we write in the prospectus of uh, the various funds that we uh, manage, which means that this uh, starts to have the force of law, if you wish. And 
for us, it's a very positive development in a way because it forces to really make sure that whatever you do on a given strategy, you are always, always true to what you promise. I will give you a concrete example. When we manage uh, infrastructure, uh, we uh, we do it uh, with um, a specific KPI that we use, that we measure uh, through a partnership with uh, a company called IDL. And with this, we measure for each investment we make what we call uh, the net environmental contribution. And this goes very fast, far because it gives you the relative positioning of uh, the project you are uh, investing in compared to whatever is possible in the uh, in the universe, in the technology. Is it better or less good? So it's, it's comparing with the rest of the universe. And it can even uh, tell you whether your portfolio is uh, aligned with the Paris Agreement in terms of uh, uh, carbon emission. And so uh, that's something that we have put uh, as a, a way we manage uh, our portfolios in our prospectuses to be compliant with SFDR regulation and, and have products which are compliant with SFDR 8. So I would say it's a, it's a continuous, it's a journey uh, to become even more structured in the approach and even more committed. And I think that's very good for the whole industry. So you mentioned uh, inflation, uh, in particular that we've seen in commodity markets and the potential risks that that uh, poses to economic growth. Uh, what about real estate? Uh, do you have a view on the outlook in Europe for commercial real estate? Yes, commercial real estate uh, is uh, is an asset class which is very interesting because the market is is very deep. And so for uh, investors who want to enter into uh, private markets, real estate debt, commercial real estate debt is a segment which which is very interesting because you have the ability here to to, to deploy and ramp up uh, money quite quickly and with also very good relative value. Of course, after the COVID crisis, uh, what comes to mind immediately about commercial real estate is that some parts of uh, this sector uh, are in a more risky position. When you think about retail, when you think about uh, offices, given the home working that has developed with COVID, you know for sure that some parts of uh, the sector is going to be in, in more difficult situation. This is true, of course, also for hotels. Uh, with the lockdown that uh, that has uh, been very long, uh, hotels are a difficult uh, investment currently when you invest in debt. But the beauty of the sector, commercial real estate debt, is that within it, it's so deep that you can have very good value on very resilient uh, assets. Uh, to give you some examples, um, logistic uh, sector is going very well. Uh, developing very fast, it offers a very good value. And so uh, this is a very good investment offering a lot of value for investors. In the offices sector, when you look at prime locations, we think it's also very resilient. And we have, we have seen some repricing here and an improvement of the loan to value, which is giving uh, much more uh, security and value for investors in the segment. 
And so uh, it's a bit the same as what I was saying at the start, which is that there are some risks which are mounting due uh, to the current uh, environment. But when you when you have the, the teams which are able to uh, to select carefully the borrowers, you are able to extract its liquidity premium and offer very good value for investors with, with a level of credit risk which is under control. Uh, but this requires a lot of attention, a very specific attention to each of the sub-segments of the sectors you're investing in. Uh, and, and commercial real estate is a very good example of this. That's great, David. Thank you very much for sharing your insights. If I can recapitulate a bit what you've told us, uh, probably the most important uh, message, which I imagine nonetheless is one we're all quite aware of, the search for yield is very much still on but private debt and real assets uh, offer an alternative or an option at least for investors. The asset class offers a liquidity premium, for example, as you just explained, uh, in real estate, but along with that, you need the expertise to evaluate uh, the investments that you make carefully because at the same time, uh, the risks that we face, for example, from inflation. We think also about a key aspect of the asset class. A lot of the investments are floating rate, so that offer at least some protection in an environment that we nonetheless think is for rising rates in the future. And then finally, we talked about ESG criteria uh, and in particular SFDR, Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation. And you pointed out that it's really been a game changer uh, for the industry insofar as uh, asset managers have needed to become much more disciplined, much more structured. Uh, and really needed to integrate that fully into the process the way you've already done with ESG in the past. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please check out our Investors Corner blog or reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. Again, my thanks to David for being with us today. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with Pamela Hegarty about the latest developments and the outlook for the technology sector. Until then, We hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.